welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Hauk, and oh, I'm so excited, guys. You guys are going to love today's guest. It's Lisa Marie. She is a WBFF pro. She's also one of my dearest friends, and we've really been able to grow close over these past couple of years as I became her coach. So today we're talking all about the ups and downs of competition prep. We're talking about some of the misconceptions and maybe things that you don't know about it. We're also diving into how to eat moderately, how to come off of a show and go into a post-show recovery period, what that all looks like. We talk about some of Lisa Marie's favorite things to eat on the go, what she does to satisfy cravings, and where she goes for personal development. So enjoy the episode, guys. Here goes. I'm just so glad that you were able to join us here, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat today. Good stuff. Now, guys, I got to let you know, Lisa is just as batshit crazy as me. It is three o'clock in the morning, her time, and she's joining us for the podcast. So super pumped that you are an early bird and totally okay with doing crazy things to make it work when we're in different time zones. I know, I know. I mean, I'm I'm already an early bird anyway, so the mornings is when I'm most productive. It's me time. It's kind of when I have a clear mind, and then by like 8 p.m., I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally hear you for sure. So let's just start off. I'll tell everybody kind of how we uh, how we met. So both Lisa and I were traveling, uh, I don't know how many years ago, like let's say five or something years ago, we were traveling <laughs> and we ended up in the same hostel in Madrid, Spain. So that was how we crossed paths. And just as travelers, you end up hanging out with people that you meet. And we ended up, I think, playing cards and maybe drinking some sort of alcohol. I don't know if it was beer or sangria or what it was but I remember that was one of our evenings when we met what do you remember Lisa yeah I remember bumping into you and I just thought wow this chick is so badass because she's traveling alone she's at this hostel she's just you know really just like open to doing whatever and yeah I remember riding like the train or whatever it was and then we were at the park playing cards and I'm pretty sure we were drinking like massive 40s. <laughs> <laughs> Something <Park>. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then we took silly photos. Oh my goodness. Yeah, with like a self-timer and yeah, it was... <laughs> Too funny. Too, too funny. So that's how we cross paths. And then it's actually really funny because me and Lisa have so many things in common. It's actually quite... uh, quite hilarious. So we both love peanut butter. That's kind of like a fit chick thing, but we definitely both love peanut butter on everything. We're like the same height. And when we're both lean, like standing side by side, we look kind of the same (laughs) with different colored hair. (laughs) That is so true. Our bodies, yeah, our bodies lean out the same way too. Yeah, yeah. Lisa flew all the way from Hawaii to do a Team Ange photo shoot a couple of years back now. And yeah, we were both not shredded, shredded, but like lean enough. And we're standing, taking selfies together, just thinking like, we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> And and our birthdays are only two days apart. We're like the same sign. So we're both Sagittariuses and really doesn't surprise me just based on our work ethic, our values. We, we do have tons in common in that department too. What do you think, Lisa? Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I remember after the photo shoot, we were talking about our birthdays and talking about kind of just our lives in general, drinking wine and It was crazy. We were talking about love languages and just, yeah, we connect on a lot of different levels. And I think that's really unique. And I think I'm very lucky to have found you because we're crazy similar. So yeah, we're kind of like soul sisters. That's the way I I like to describe it. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) 
Oh, so awesome. So guys, I gotta let you know, Lisa Marie, if you haven't checked her out on Instagram, she is a huge inspiration for so many people around the world. Lisa, I can't tell you how many people have contacted me or clients of mine even currently and they're like, yeah, I follow Lisa from Hawaii and they're just so inspired by what it is that you do, how you show up in this world. So I want to take everybody back to the beginning of your fitness journey. Can you tell us how you got started? Sure. It seems like kind of a while ago now, but I've always been active, I guess. Um, Growing up, I did soccer, I did volleyball, I did track, um, but I was, I never considered myself having a fit physique. And just all through high school, all through college, I just like remember having really big thighs and just kind of having a rounder stomach and it was kind of in college I started running with my boyfriend um, who I'm dating now Corey we started running to the gym together and I remember kind of just hating it (laughs) it was like a 10 minute run and I I remember running there and we'd work out I'd do like 45 minutes of cardio and then I would do like three leg assisted machines and then call it a day (laughs) And we'd get home and we would make huge pasta or eat pizza and it just like wasn't really working and I found the gym kind of a big waste of time. And I remember even arguing with my boyfriend telling him, you know, three days a week was too much and and we would get in fights about going to the gym and it's because I wasn't really seeing results. And I don't really remember why, but I remember it was Christmas Eve and I was sitting on the couch and I was just scrolling through my phone on Instagram and I wasn't very familiar with Instagram at the time, but I remember just seeing a bunch of ads for like a HitMax cardio program and they were doing this challenge and you could sign up for $20 and I remember just being like, okay, well fuck it, I'm just going to sign up and it's $20. So there's a little bit of investment there for me. And I'm just, I'm going to sign up for the program because I wanted something a little bit more structured. And it seemed like a good idea at the time. So I clicked on it, signed up and and did the challenge. And they were like 20 minute workouts, really short for me. Um, And I just remember doing them and loving them. And once I did them for maybe a month or so. I, I lost a bunch of weight and it was kind of right when I was seeing results and kind of leaning out that I was more invested in the in the process. So I actually ended up winning that challenge, the online challenge. So that was kind of cool. And then I had been through a couple of different online coaches in the sense that, you know, just buying programs offline and kind of having someone to email every once in a while. But I did experience kind of a, a rough road with a trainer. I had hired her and she gave me like a really hard workout program had me eating like a banana a day a bunch of protein no fat really and I just remember feeling tired all the time and I was at the gym here in Hawaii and one of the owners of the gym came up to me and was like hey how you doing you look kind of tired and he's like what are you eating you know your workouts look really hard and So I kind of showed him the meal plan that she had written me and he logged it all into MyFitnessPal, which I didn't even really know had existed at the time. And he goes, you know, you're eating one banana a day is your only source of carb. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, isn't that a good thing? I'm, I'm pretty lean. And he's like, no, no, no. If you want to build muscle, you need to be eating a little bit more food. So I just remember kind of separating myself from that coach because there wasn't really a lot that she wanted to do about my concerns. And then I was just kind of scrolling through Facebook one day and I found you and I just remember seeing you in one of your competition bikinis, super tan. You just looked completely different from when I saw you in Madrid. It was like a crazy transformation because I hadn't really kept up with you between when we met and when I was kind of scrolling through my Facebook. And I saw you and you were just, you looked, you know, you were doing a competition, you were ripped. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, Ange knows what she's doing. There's some sort of thing that I'm missing here because I don't look like that. And I want, you know, I want to have a good physique. So I reached out and I remember setting up a coaching call with you. And we kind of talked about maybe doing a show. 
I think we planned it out like a year in advance. Um, and I just remember telling you about my diet and, you know, we, we did a slow reverse diet. You taught me a lot about macros and kind of food and the macro diet was really what worked best for me. So I just remember kind of starting my journey. I mean, I, I feel like I had been working out for a while, but once I started with you, it kind of felt like a, a springboard off to really gaining muscle and learning a lot of knowledge. And then a couple of years later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so cool. So why did you decide to compete? Like what triggered that internally for you to be like, oh, I want to do that? I had never really seen results of like muscle, I guess. You know, I had been kind of skinny and I had lost some weight, but I really wanted one, some validation for myself that like all this training in the gym was worth it because I really wanted to just see that muscle development. And I remember just looking at a bunch of competitors and being like, there's a way to get super shredded like there's a way like people do it and I want to be one of those people that gets that way and it was honestly a lot of people in my gym kind of coming up to me and being like are you training for a competition or do you just work out really hard and <laughs> I remember being like I just work out really hard but maybe I should do a competition and it was a great goal I don't think that's really why I did it in the first place but looking back I know that's kind of what drived me every day was having that goal and kind of the almost responsibility to show up every day because you were going to be judged on stage. So yeah, it was kind of a bunch of different things. That's cool. Now let's just walk everybody through that process. Cause I think sometimes we see competitors or we see people that look amazing and we don't know the whole process. So let's just walk people through that first conversation that me and you had into when we actually stepped on stage. So you mentioned that we mapped it out a year in advance. So let's just talk about what that building muscle process was like for you. Where did we start and what did that year look like in terms of training and nutrition for you? Well, I did a reverse diet. So because I was low carb going in and I remember, I don't know, I could go back in my fitness pal and look, but it was at first it was low carb. And then, you know, month after month, we would build so we would add in, you know, a, a hundred calories or so or, you know, some more carbs every month and slowly kind of work our way up into a higher calorie amount. And I just remember just going to the gym six days a week, you know, building for for a few months, getting calories pretty high. And I even remember losing some weight even with higher calories, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, so building for a few months. And then starting a prep 16 weeks out is, I think, how long my first prep was. And 16 weeks out, you know, your calories are the highest that they're going to be pretty much. And then you slowly start decreasing and, and start losing weight. And yeah. Going through that process then of losing weight and starting to see more muscle come through on your body, how did you remain confident that you were going to be ready or confident that the stage as the end goal was something that was achievable for you because it was something that you had never done before. So I think that's something that first time competitors can often struggle with. So how did you deal with that? One, having a coach was the most important. I think if anyone ever does a show, I think having a coach is, is really important because there's someone that you trust to put you through the right process of it all. And it's kind of an unbiased objective kind of how your body's going because I remember there are a couple weeks where I'm like is anything even happening like I don't feel like I'm losing weight or I don't feel like there's any anything different but having a coach kind of is that you know the reasoning behind it all and then being patient and knowing that it will come and you just got to keep grinding every day I mean Taking weight, you know, once or twice a week was helpful. We did pictures, you know, every week and then twice every week. So pictures was kind of motivating, but just being patient with the process and being consistent were the things that I kind of learned to just deal with. Um, I'm actually a very patient person in general. So going through 16 weeks and, you know, being 10 weeks out and being like, okay, like, 
got 10 more weeks, you know, keep pushing. Um, that was really helpful. And then, you know, having a good, a good plan. Even from a year out, we were planning what show I was going to do or, you know, what category I was interested in. And even, you know, looking into different organizations and just having kind of everything mapped out and envisioning it ahead of time was, was really helpful throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think that reverse engineering process is really important. And I think people also need to know that it takes a lot longer than just a 16 week prep to create the physique that we created for you. So the preparation for that time when we was we were cutting was really built on month after month of lifting heavy, adding muscle to your physique. So that's one of the biggest tips I would give to anybody that's listening to this podcast and kind of thinking like, oh, I really want to step on stage. Devote the time prior to preparing for the show to really build muscle because the challenge is, let's say, for example, you're starting the beginning of a prep, you might get to the end of the prep and be really unhappy with your body only because you didn't have enough muscle underneath to really shine through. So taking that one year, two year, even three years prior to actually stepping on stage in a bodybuilding competition, you're going to have enough muscle that you're going to feel as though you're competitive versus just stepping on stage and feeling like a smaller version of when you were a little bit heavier. Now, some people may know, but Lisa did win her first show. Um, I think we came in very prepared, almost overly prepared based on the amount of competitors in your category. <laughs> but yeah, she came into the show. She looked amazing, won her pro card. So Lisa, what did it feel like for you when they announced that you won first and that you were going pro? Well, when I won first, it was really amazing. It was like, I wasn't crying, but I just remember being like, okay, it was all worth it. All the early mornings, all the meal prepping, all the time in the gym, like everything that was building up to that moment, it felt worth it. I mean, when I did my second show, I realized that winning first doesn't mean that it like if you don't win that doesn't mean it wasn't worth it because even if you don't win it's totally worth it but I just remember you know when they announced first being like okay like that was worth it and I felt a lot of validation for all the hard work and then it like took them a couple seconds or it felt like a couple minutes to announce that I had won my pro card (laughs) that was one of the things they didn't really know was was going to happen um but yeah when they announced that I just I remember like my jaw dropping and I was just like okay cover your mouth so you know no one sees like you're just gonna be (laughs) smile and look happy but yeah it's a pretty surreal feeling and didn't really hit me until I stepped off the stage but it's almost I don't know it's a hard it's a hard feeling to describe but I just remember feeling really happy and content and knowing okay, this is this is what I was born to do and this is what I love doing. And it, it just lit the fire and the passion for me to even just do another show. I remember Skyping with you even a month or a couple weeks after the show when we were already planning my next build and my next show. And I just felt like I was in the right space and I found kind of my way in the world. And that's a really cool feeling to be in a place where you're like, man, I, I love what I do. I'm good at, I'm good at it. And it's, really awesome to be really successful in something that you're really passionate about so yeah and it was a whole year in the making like it wasn't just oh those 16 weeks were so worth it or yes those 16 weeks brought me here it wasn't the 16 weeks it was the whole year and I just remember being so patient with the process and having it be a year of of the whole journey and just stepping you know into that first place spot and being handed that pro card I I felt like okay like I'm glad we took a whole year to build because it it really paid off Mm -hmm. yeah without a doubt you were very excited when you called me and I was just as excited (laughs) sitting over here (laughs) like we didn't know guys we went into that show we wanted her to win first but we had no idea that pro was even like a possibility so we just went in okay let's just bring in like an all-star package 
And not everybody that won first at that show got a pro card. It was they saw and recognized that Lisa had a pro-worthy physique and then they ended up granting her with it. So we've talked about kind of some of the some of the things we liked about prep. So let's just talk about all the best parts of prep. So the things about prep that we both love. You can name a couple and then I'll name a couple too. I know this may sound weird, but I love like the grind of it all. Like I love being kind of busy with it and having it... Like, I love getting up early and getting my cardio in and then going and then lifting. I think just the whole hustle of it is is something that I love. I also love seeing your body go through amazing stages, whether it's, you know, okay, like I just dropped a whole bunch of weight this week or, you know, I'm feeling really strong. And so kind of seeing the transformation of your body is one of the best parts of prep. The excitement and the little butterflies you get about thinking about your show and what you're going to eat afterwards and just kind of the, the whole excitement of it all is something that I really enjoy. And just seeing all of the muscle gain is something that is is really exciting for me because there are parts of your body when you're building, you're like, you know, sometimes you get a good shoulder pump or you can see, you know, some good muscles there. But when you're, when you're leaning out, it's, it's really, it's kind of fun to work out in the gym and you're just seeing kind of everything you've put the work in for as you start to lean out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with all of those things. Most certainly. The other things that I love about prep is Because you are so busy, I am way more organized on prep because there is no time to not be organized if that makes sense. (laughs) Like time needs to be organized. You can't just be like go with the flow and it makes me hyper productive because I'm like, okay, this is when I have to do this. This is when I have to do this. I don't have time to just sit on Facebook and just kind of scroll because on prep it's like every minute counts because it's one minute closer to stage time and you got to still get your life stuff done. You still got to go to, you still got to go to school or you still got to go to work or you still have to do all the other life things. So I just find that I'm very organized with every element of my life. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. And that's kind of what I meant by the, I just love the hustle because you are, you're so productive and you're so just go, go, go. And I mean, my schedule is very organized. I can definitely say when I'm on prep, like my room gets messy and the dishes don't get done. And that area kind of feels like it's not (laughs) as organized, but yeah, I mean, when you get into the gym, when you're on prep, you have such a, like, there's like a light that goes on. And it's just, it's work time and it's go time. And I love the feeling of, okay, I have this massive workout to do and we're just going to get it done and going to get home and take my supplements and then eat. And it's just, yeah, it's all very routine. And then when prep stops, it seems like the world is ending, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about the downfalls in a second here. But one other thing that I love about prep is I feel like prep invites a lot of conversation with people in your audience. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, Lisa, but I just feel very connected because I work in the online space. I don't have a lot of like, I guess, human connection in the same way as if I were to work in an office or work in another place where I was having a lot of interaction with people. So I have found that prep has really allowed me to become vulnerable and share my life with my audience and then also be able to create conversations and connections that maybe I wasn't having prior to being on prep. What do you think? Yeah, I would definitely agree. When I'm sharing my prep on social media, I I get a lot of questions and conversations start like even just about, you know, people ask me how I'm doing and and stuff like that and when you post progress pictures, it's it's very like you feel like you feel like people are watching you, so when you post a picture and people you know, comment on it, you feel very connected to your audience, I would agree. And then when I work out at the gym, and I'm on prep, people ask me, you know, how it's going. And it's kind of, it's kind of like a journey for other people to watch you go through too. So 
it's nice to be able to share that with other people and let them know how it's going and you know because people at my gym have seen me in my bulk days and in my prep days so they've kind of seen it all so it's nice to share share it with other people even if they don't really understand it it you feel connected with people who are excited for you and who are just you know seeing the changes in your own bodies so yeah I definitely I definitely feel like it gives connection to to your audience especially um on social media Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the last thing I kind of want to highlight is that above all, I feel like prep mentally builds strength that prepares you for so many other things in life. So it's going to push you to your fullest capacity. There's going to be so many times when you're just going to be like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. Or you're going to feel like you just don't have it inside to do it. You just, you wake up and you're just like, you know what? I feel like I cannot do this today. And that self-talk and that like shift in mindset and coaching yourself out of that mindset, I think builds like internal mental strength that you will carry on to so many other things in your life because then you're like, oh, well, I was able to overcome this so I can overcome anything. Or I was in a similar situation that was way worse, but this one isn't that bad because The ones that I've been able to overcome in the past have been that much greater and I've been able to come up on top. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I can't believe I didn't even mention that before. Like that's one of the first things that I should have said because that's that's honestly, especially in my first prep when I hadn't done one before, I came going through it every day. I was so surprised with myself, like how disciplined I was. I didn't really realize that about me. And I became, yes, so mentally tough, like from getting up in the morning and and just, you know, every morning you get up and you're so tired or you're sore, you think about all the things you have to do for that day. But you still get up and that creates such discipline and yeah, the mentality that you just do it. And even, you know, I like I've I really only remember the hardest workouts of prep. I don't remember every workout, but I remember the workouts where I literally had to talk myself through every rep and every every pound of of the lift and that builds such good discipline and going through such a challenging thing, you know, I I know that I can put my body through so much and my mind through so much and kind of reaching your potential is something that's super crazy. Like knowing that, okay, I'm stepping on this stage, I gave prep my all and I know that this is, you know, the best that I can be and going through a prep and getting to places that you've never been before mentally and physically is just it's so surreal. And it's so crazy. And yeah, you learn a lot about yourself, you learn how to deal with stress, you learn how to deal, you know, with being scared or being nervous, you learn, you know, I had to learn how to read myself, like when to take a rest day, when not to take a rest day, you know, how I feel off of certain foods, because as as you get into prep, you get a lot more picky, you know, with calories. And so knowing what really fills me up, I, I learned a lot about my body and what my body responds to food wise and just dealing with cravings too, just knowing that I could say no <laughs> for such a long time. I don't think a lot of people get to experience in their life. So yeah, it just, it creates such discipline, which which I love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Now let's talk about the nasty stuff. So let's talk about like the bad sides of both prep and post-show. So you've won or you've stepped on stage and then what happens afterwards. So first let's talk about the shit we hate. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of hard things about prep. The biggest one for me, I guess, is your sense of normalcy goes away. And it sucks because it goes away slowly over time. Because when you first start prep, like we did a 16 week prep. So it wasn't like I woke up one morning and my whole life was different. Like you slowly get into like a more strict routine with calories and your workouts and, and all that stuff. But yeah, your sense of normalcy goes away from just 
the normal hours that you are up in a day to what you eat to the social aspect is is hard because you can't go to happy hour or you know sit on the couch with your loved one and drink wine and eat popcorn or whatever it is and I always say that like bodybuilding can be such a selfish sport because it kind of is you put yourself first in almost every situation because you're on prep so you say no to a lot of things and Sometimes it feels like you're just saying no to everything, and so that's really frustrating. (laughs) And then I kind of mentioned this earlier, but yeah, you get in such a good routine and a good grind that when prep is over, you almost like don't really know what to do with yourself. Like (laughs) you have all these extra hours in the day, and you kind of have a sense of normalcy back, but it's really hard to learn that balance of moderation and just free time. So that kind of always throws me where the show ends. I'm like, okay, well, now what do I do with my life? Like, I'm not on prep. So like, what do normal people do after work? You know, if they don't go to the gym. <laughs> That's really hard. And another hard part about prep is not having everyone understand like one of the positive things we did talk about was the connection with your audience and with you know your best support system but there there are a lot of people who don't who don't get it especially if they've never seen you go through a prep before like my family I don't think they really understood what I was doing or why I was doing it or I would have some co-workers who you know, would make fun of me carrying my gallon jug of water around or eating chicken at 10 o'clock in the morning or, you know, I was teaching during my first prep and I just remember my students would see me, you know, drinking so much water or losing weight or just not having people understand what you're doing, Um, especially when you're like 10 to 6 weeks out, like you're in the the grind of it all and it's still so far away and people are like are you still on a diet like you still need to lose more weight like they just don't really understand (laughs) um so that's kind of hard to to explain it all and then I guess another hard part would be just being tired all the time is something that I experience a lot I just I save all my energy for the gym and for doing the things I have to do like meal prepping or posing and so other areas of your life kind of get put on hold and then you're just tired like I remember there were nights where I would be sitting on the couch and I would just be tired and so sore like even getting up to go to the bathroom was a struggle (laughs) and you know you just have that kind of sense of low energy once you get to a certain point and and that's not fun And honestly, for me, I hate posing. And I know some people love it. And there were some mornings where, you know, I think when you're like four weeks out, for me, posing is a little bit more fun. But when you're still kind of bulky, posing is not very fun. Or when you have those mornings where you get kind of insecure about your body, like it took a lot of weeks to kind of get out of my shell with the posing. I'm kind of a shy person. So posing in front of a mirror and heels was not my favorite part of prep, especially the first time round. And it's something that you gotta do even when you're tired. You gotta walk around in your heels or you gotta practice your tea walk and that's something that I just don't really enjoy about <laughs> prep. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me sometimes to wanna pose. So Yeah. Those are the, those are the hard parts. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely agree with most of what you said there, Lisa. So I just wanted to kind of give my perspective as well. So in terms of things that I think are brought to the forefront, and I'm going to be completely transparent and honest about it, is that your sex drive is so freaking low guys both men and women but like you a are super exhausted and you just want to lay there like a sloth and then your poor partner is like dude we need to have sex like we haven't had sex in so long (laughs) and like even if it's just one of those things that's part of prep because your hormones they're not producing enough sex drive that like you are just in a place where sometimes your partner can feel like I know in our particular case it's like 
Jamie's like, well, what, what, can I do something different? I'm like, no, dude. Like, I literally just feel like my body, it can't move. Like, <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> left. Everything is sore and I just like, I'm just so dead. So I don't know. That's one of the things that I find to be a struggle. Like, it's a struggle in the relationship that we don't have as much time together. But then when we do have time and it comes to intimacy, very often that happens with a competition prep that you're just having sex less often. And I think that that's a reality that maybe somebody getting into a competition prep doesn't realize. And they might be going through it and being like, why do I feel this way? Or, or as a partner, you might be thinking the same thing. You might be thinking, why is my why is my partner like not wanting to have sex with me? And there's just things that are going on hormonally that are causing that to happen. So I think that's something that a lot of people need to be aware about that is a very uh, real issue that comes up during prep. And the other thing that I would say about prep that can be tough to kind of juggle, I would say, yeah, posing is not my favorite either. I know that I have to do it because I am terrible at walking in heels. But I also (laughs) think that like, in relation to the posing, I think that's where a lot of people don't understand it that are looking at it from an external perspective. On stage, you have to sell that you're the bomb.com. And like, sometimes that means being super sassy and strutting your stuff on stage. And with that being said, it's just getting yourself internally to a place where you are like, you know what, I don't care what anybody is thinking or what they're looking at. I just got to do my thing. And I have to practice even if it looks ridiculous to like an external eye, but that's certainly something that I struggle with internally because I just find that like, I'll I'll even like, I'll do a pose and be like, is this going to come off as being too sexual? And the sport isn't about being sexual, but there's also like that a little bit of that, like, okay, but I have a son now and a little bit of like, and I'm a business owner. And so I think I, I struggle a little bit with that part of it internally as well of like, okay, when I'm doing my poses, what are other people thinking, right? Yeah. And the judges don't care about how heavy you're lifting in the gym or they don't care how dedicated you are to getting up and doing your fasted cardio or how clean you're eating. They don't care. All they care about is, or all they know is you on stage. And so it's crazy that posing is the most important part. Like, yes, you have to be conditioned, but you also have to be able to show it off and find the poses that work well for you and learn how to, yeah, sell your body kind of on stage. (laughs) You got to bring it. Like, especially for you who showed up at a pro show, every single girl on your stage was like A++ and like bringing it to their maximum capacity, right? So when you're in that next level or even at an amateur level show, if you're going for pro, you got to bring it as if you're the hottest bitch on stage. (laughs) Really, that's the reality, right? Yeah, you have to show your confidence. You have to show your poise. You have to be able to stand out because... You don't know how many other competitors are going to be on the stage with you. And sometimes you got to elbow your way on up there just so they can see you. But, you know, yeah, it's crazy. And it's also so different between different organizations because Mm -hmm. the way that you pose for for your show is so different the way I need to pose. So learning your organization, knowing what – even your category should be looking for and and not only building your body to fit your category or picking your category off of your body, but also posing in a way that you you fit in with whatever the organization is looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I do want to go a little deeper into the struggles of post-show recovery. So you're kind of in that period right now. Your show was in this past December, uh, so a couple months past So let's talk about right when you come off of the show into where you're at right now, what that journey has looked like for you, Lisa. Yeah, so right after the show is kind of always my favorite part because you get those couple days, and I literally only mean a couple days, where you kind of, you know, you're not tracking, you don't need a meal prep, you don't need to, to be in the gym. You kind of take, you know, a couple days off and spend time with your loved ones and After each of my shows, I've planned like a little vacation, which is hard in itself because, you know, when you get off the stage, 
everyone wants to feed you. Everyone wants to watch you eat, (laughs) see you eat, like, just because it's something that they know that you haven't done for a while. And of course, like, I want to eat too. So, so right after the show, you're on this huge high, like whether you won or not, you finish the show, your your loved ones, you want to celebrate, you go out, you wake up the next morning, and you're like, wow, that's over. It's already over. Like, the how many weeks, whatever you put in, like, it's over just like that. And then you have to, you have to find a new routine, and you have to find a new balance with with everything. And the hardest part after a show is still, for both shows for me, it's been sticking, sticking to still a low calorie diet, right? Because you're your metabolism has adapted to lower calories and you can't just overload it because you'll blow up. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you got a reverse diet out of it or recovery diet, whichever you and your coach kind of plan for. But it's hard to be patient to get your calories back up to where they are. And when I ended my, this last show, it was, it ended early December and I remember it was just super hard during the holidays because the holidays is I feel like when everyone is eating more in general like you have holiday get-togethers or you have Christmas cookies or whatever it is and it's it's hard to be patient with kind of building your calories back up to what they were so that's the hardest part for me post-show is is the food part because you can finally say yes to everything that you've said no to. I could finally say yes to going to sushi with my best friend or, you know, going to happy hour or, you know, having having a glass of wine at night. But the reality is you, you can't be consuming all these calories because you still got a reverse diet out of what you were eating before. So it's hard to be patient with that whole process. And then also finding a sense of balance and normalcy again has been hard. I'm getting better at it now that it's been, you know, about two months. But it's hard to wake up and not have that goal or to not have that need of a hustle or a grind because your life, like, is just a little bit more relaxed when you're not on prep, as it should be. So it's kind of hard to, you know, to wake up and then go to work and yeah, you may have a workout to do, but it's not like a prep workout and you got to slowly decrease your cardio. So, you know, you're still doing maybe some fasted cardio sessions and it's, it's hard to want to do those when you're not on prep anymore. So just finding finding that balance is hard and I would say the relationship with food is is hard as well not just being patient with your reverse diet but like knowing that those foods are there and you're able to eat them but having the self-control to not eat everything in sight is very hard and binging happens a lot post-show it's happened to me it's something that I struggle with even two months later like there's something about moderation that's really, really hard for me personally after a show because I'm I'm such an all-or-nothing person, so that's why I love prep because I can go all in and I can be on it 100% of the time, and it's almost easier to not overeat when you're dieting and on prep because, you know, you just, you can't, you can't eat it because, <laughs> you know, you have to stand on stage and, you know, you, you know, your weigh-in is coming or whatever, but being able to say no to things when you're off prep is hard. Um, and so sometimes, you know, when I'm off prep and I'll have a treat or something, it's like, oh my gosh, I can have a treat. So I'll have another treat and another treat and then I'll have this snack and then this cookie and then, you know, it can turn into a binge really easily. And I know that's hard for a lot of competitors is to not binge and, you know, to, to have the self control to just, you know, go through practices of moderation and balance. And that's really hard. I mean, my show has been done for two months, and I've, I still get cravings to, to binge and I'm still practicing moderation and we're still finding out the right strategy for me so but it's all part of like your journey and I think post-show you really you learn a lot about what works for you and what doesn't work for you because it's just it's all part of the journey. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to add to that as well Lisa. So 
You mentioned moderation and you and I had a conversation about this in our coaching call yesterday. So I want to talk about the new strategy that we're going to be starting. And I do want to give everybody a little bit of backstory in relation to that. So one of the things that Lisa struggles with, and this is something that I used to struggle with quite a bit as well, and I've seen other clients struggle with too. And it's this mindset of Monday to Thursday slash Friday eating and then different eating that's happening on the weekend. So different eating that's happening on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, start back on Monday, back to super clean. So what ends up happening is we end up eating really, really good. We're like, I'm doing so well day after day after day after day. And then by the time it's like Thursday night or Friday, we're like, I've done so good all week. Okay, I'm just going to have one thing or I'm just going to have this. And then what ends up happening is we kind of let it spiral versus just having that one thing. It becomes, okay, I'm going to have wine and then I'm going to have a burger and then I'm going to have dessert. And you know what? The whole day is just a write-off, so screw it. And then we have the best intentions when we wake up the next day. But what ends up happening is it's like, oh, it's the weekend. Let's make protein pancakes. And like all of these things just kind of create different behaviors on a Tuesday and a Saturday. And when we have that uh, separation, what ends up happening is it's like we take a couple steps forward throughout the week, but then we pretty much counterbalance it by everything that happens on the weekend. So although moderation is something that's very challenging, we're going to be trying a new strategy with Lisa. Um, We just talked about it yesterday. So essentially what I'm going to have her do is instead of making all of her meals super clean, super perfect Monday through Friday, I want her to bring a little bit of naughtiness into her Monday eating, bring a little naughtiness into her Tuesday eating. Because right now, and especially anybody who's been a competitor, we have these foods in our mind that are really good and really clean. And then we have these foods in on the other side of the spectrum that are bad foods. So the foods that we didn't have on prep. What ends up happening is the weekend eating is all the bad stuff. And then the Monday to Friday eating is all this good stuff and the healthy stuff. And what happens is like, we're human. We want to have things that taste delicious. And we kind of just try to willpower our way through the week. And then eventually we cave because we just run out of we just run out of the like will to want to continue with it. And it's just because we've been too healthy all week. So what we're going to be doing is bringing a little bit of that like unhealthy in our mind types of foods into every single day, so that every meal that she creates is going to be satisfying, is going to walk that line of moderation, and is is going to have her feeling as though, okay, I made that meal really delicious by adding in something extra. So for example, we were talking about some ideas yesterday, and we were talking about you can make a really great salad, but you can either make it like all vegetables and chicken and balsamic vinegar, like a boring dressing on top, Or you can still use the same framework for that, but maybe you love bacon, so you're going to put some bacon on top. Or maybe you're going to add some cheese. Or maybe you really like the idea of adding some sort of seeds or some sort of nuts or just something that really gives it more robust flavor and that leaves you feeling satisfied. And for everybody, that might be something different. Like maybe for you, instead of having an egg white omelet, maybe you are going to have protein pancakes Monday through Friday and you are going to put a little bit of syrup or a little bit of chocolate chips into the batter or just something that makes it feel a little bit naughty internally, but you're building that trust with yourself that says, you know what, I can handle this, I can have things in moderate portions, and you're going to do it every single day, day in and day out, like a Tuesday, you might choose to have a glass of wine versus waiting to a Saturday. And what that really does is that creates a good relationship with food where you can say, you know what, I trust myself, I trust myself to have this and only have this versus the entire day being a write-off. So it's finding that balance and that moderate approach by adding a little bit of naughtiness to the day. So let me know your thoughts on how you're going to integrate that, Lisa, and what you've kind of been thinking about since our conversation yesterday. I think to build consistency throughout the whole week, the strategy will work really, really well. And it was kind of like you were saying I need to view Tuesday the same as a Saturday because I am such an all-or-nothing person and on prep I'm like a macro Nazi. Like I log to the gram and if I'm not to the gram I make it work so I'm within like one gram of my macros and I think that when I'm off prep being okay with maybe being like 
a little bit over or not being perfect. And if I go over, I need to learn, okay, like the whole day does not need to be a write-off. I don't need to just like binge and throw the whole day away. And I forget who was telling me, but I remember listening to someone and they're talking about like, if you drop your phone and there's a little scratch, it kind of viewing it the same way as when you maybe have something a little naughty, like that you're eating during the week. If you scratch your phone a little bit, you're not going to like keep pounding the shit out of it with a rock or scissors or a hammer or whatever. Just as you shouldn't, if you overeat like a little bit during the day, that doesn't mean you should just start throwing the whole day away and just eating whatever you want and making it worse and worse and worse. Um, So I think the strategy of being okay with not being perfectly a clean eater, eating to the gram during the week, I think will kind of help me build consistency throughout the whole week. And even if it's not adding something that's necessarily even bad, like yesterday, for example, I wanted peanut butter because I love peanut butter. I need it like every day in my life. (laughs) And normally I, I weigh out my peanut butter and I put it on like a rice cake or something. But yesterday it was what it was Wednesday yesterday and normally Wednesdays I'm I want to be perfect and I like I want everything to measure out exactly but I put some peanut butter on the rice cake and like I didn't necessarily weigh it and I wanted to you know lick the spoon so I licked the extra peanut butter off the spoon and normally that would kind of set me off and be like well I probably had a little bit extra or I didn't weigh it so I don't really know how much is on there and and sometimes I can be like well you know fuck it I didn't weigh that so I'm not going to weigh the next thing or I'm just going to kind of go out and just now eat whatever I want because my macros aren't going to be perfect anyway so might as well just call it a free day where instead I'm learning to okay be okay with adding like the little granola in my yogurt or the fattier coffee cream in my coffee or the bacon on my salad or the extra nuts in it or whatever and being okay with not having everything be perfect and if I'm a few more grams over on a certain macro like learning to be okay with it and that way I have kind of like the mental freedom to feel like I can learn how to be okay with not being perfect and that way I don't feel like come Saturday night or Friday night like okay you know I was perfect during the week so let's have a couple glasses of wine and a lot of snacks and just I don't want to have to feel like I deserve deserve like a whole day of just eating like shit so yeah gonna start implementing some some moderation and like yesterday morning after we talked about it I normally have just like egg whites and some veggies for breakfast, but I threw in some coconut oil and a real egg into my breakfast and it was a lot more satisfying that way. And that's something I normally, I I wouldn't do. And I know that kind of sounds ridiculous to some people, but it's those little things that really add up. And like last night I had like some yogurt with my greens powder and I just like threw some granola on top that I normally only eat on the weekends because it has some nuts in there and there's some extra fat but I just threw a little bit on top like not much I didn't like eat the whole bag but I just sprinkled a little bit on top I didn't weigh it I didn't track it and even having that little freedom to just throw whatever I wanted on there and not worry about it and know that it wasn't going to turn into me eating the whole bag of granola and then a whole bunch of snacks after that. It felt really freeing to just kind of learn moderation and and know that these foods are available all the time. So I don't need to wait till Friday or Saturday night to eat everything. Just having that mental space to be like, okay, I'm going to have this in moderation. I'm going to taste a little bit of this and not have to binge on anything else is, is really good. And I think the saying, you know, taste everything, binge on nothing is, is the perfect example of moderation because it allows you to have the freedom to kind of build in little treats here and there and never feel so deprived that you just have to 
eat whatever you want. So I think it's going to be a good strategy. I think it's going to build consistency throughout the whole week. And then I can view, you know, the Tuesday the same as a Saturday. And if I want a glass of wine on a Tuesday night, I'm going to have it as opposed to waiting till Saturday and then feeling like I need three or four (laughs) because (laughs) I've been waiting so long. So Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be good and it's all a learning process like we've tried we've tried different things and you know I do eventually want to get away from tracking but I think you know right now especially with the calories I'm at and the goals I have I I, I need to be you know patient with it so I think this is going to be a really good strategy with building consistency and moderation because that's something I'm really learning how to do still <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and I think there's a lot of people in the audience that are going to take away a lot of value from that just because it's very very common and I also think that one thing that people might not know is that when you come off of prep, you can't go to intuitive eating because you can't, you don't know when you're hungry. You don't know when you're full. Your signals are all wacky because your hormones are all wacky and you come off of a prep. And if you were to eat until you felt full, you would never stop eating, really. When you first come off prep, you're an endless pit that could just keep on going because your fullness just doesn't go off and and you can't really eat when you're hungry because you don't really know you don't really know what it's like to feel hunger anymore so the end goal for me and Lisa working together is to get to that place of intuitiveness and to get to a place where she's doing a lot of automatic eating but to get to that place and to really understand the signals that her body is giving her is going to take us some time when it comes to how long it's going to take to recover I often say to clients like at least as long as what it took for you to prep. So if you prepped for 20 weeks, it's very realistic to imagine that it's going to take you at least 20 weeks to recover to kind of get back yourself back to that same place. And and that's what I love about your patients is that time can be hard for people and it isn't the easiest road. But I love that you're patient with the fact of, okay, this is where I'm at right now. I'm learning what feels best for my body. I'm learning how to approach food in the future. And I think that you're coming up with some really good tools in your toolkit that are going to allow for you to eventually get to that place where you're not tracking. So let's talk about the areas of your life that you feel as though you're currently working on. So not just your fitness goals, but just other things that you have on the go right now that uh, that you're working on. Well, I'm working on my online business right now. So I just started up personal training um, in the online space. I started this January kind of like a big 2018 goal for me is to kind of you know get clients male or female and teach others just how to build a healthy lifestyle in a really sustainable way because that's one of the things that I've learned about myself throughout my own fitness journey is any way to get healthy or any way to lose weight or build muscle it's got to be sustainable so yeah I'm working on that just getting a a bigger client base and being a good coach to other people. And, you know, I've learned a lot of my stuff from you and just reflecting on how you made me successful is how, you know, I'm trying to make others successful. Um, And I think the online space is cool because you get to meet people from around the world or reconnect with people that you haven't connected with in a while. Um, And it's something I can do from home. So, you know, I'm still working full time, but yeah, gonna be working on my online business a little bit more. Um, I do plan on traveling a lot in the future. I I want to buy a home. So we're kind of working on on that right now. And yeah, just learning how to listen to my body. And then it's one of my 2018 goals is to become an intuitive eater. So slowly trying to learn more about myself. And honestly, just keep just keep learning. I'm, I'm one of those people I love to learn. I love to teach. And so, you know, even though I'm not in a prep right now, I still want to learn more about my body. Like right now, I'm really interested in learning about gut health and just 
hormones and just learning more about the human body. So that's something that I'm I'm wanting to work more on and learn more about. And then, yeah, I mean, we were kind of talking about this earlier, but when you're on prep, you learn about being so mentally tough and learning a lot about your your mindset with things. So, you know, I'm still trying to work on my mindset and living with more intention and and you know, becoming better at like meditating and just having a good energy to start the day. So there's a kind of some personal development going on there. So a lot of different things. Mm, I love that girl. You're rocking it. So good. (laughs) And I love that you became a coach. It's so good. So some of my listeners know that I've had a few of my clients on the podcast and there's quite a few of them that have pursued similar paths and I want you guys to know that like that just lights my soul on fire like to see you guys being like you know what Ange did it and I can totally do that too like it is just such a blessing that I've been able to pass it along to you because we just need a healthier world and the fact that you guys are all going out and taking the information and helping more people, it's just like, oh my goodness, we really can make a massive difference in this world if we're willing to just pursue our dreams and share the information with other people that uh, that need it. So I reached out to my audience and they sent me some questions for you, Lisa. So are you ready to find out what they want to know? Oh yeah, sure. All right. So question number one came from Megan. So Megan wants to know, what are your favorite things to eat on the go that are high in protein? I mean, I prep all my food. So even if I'm on a hike, I will literally pull out like a little baggie of cooked chicken and eat it. But um, grab and go things, deli meat is actually a good one. I put deli meat on a rice cake and it's heaven. Um, I really like Greek yogurt and I mean, I love peanut butter. I'll eat like nuts and more peanut butter has like 11 grams of protein per serving. So I'll literally just take a little spoonful of that (laughs) on the go. Love it. That's good. And I would even say guys, protein bars, protein powder, like use those things that are quick and easy and convenient like that. Or even if you run into a gas station, you can grab things like turkey jerky or beef jerky. And like they have tons of protein bars that are even sold at the smallest little gas station. So that's something that I find really helpful. Not necessarily having to run to a grocery store, but just kind of picking something on the way, choosing something that has protein can can certainly make sure that you feel satisfied for a longer period of time. Now, next question is from Stephanie. So she wants to know, what do you eat when you need to satisfy a craving for something sweet? I normally have a flavored peanut butter, whether it's like birthday cake flavored or um, pumpkin spice flavored. I have that. Halo Top makes a really good ice cream that satisfies my sweet tooth there. They have really fun flavors and their ice cream is high protein, low fat, low carb. Let's see, what else do I have? I'll build in like chocolates or they have um like fiber one bars that have little chocolate chips in them that I have um those really satisfy my sweet tooth I don't know I mean with macros you can kind of build in like if you want like a little piece of candy or you want something sweet I I normally log first thing in the morning and then I'll kind of just work my day around whatever is left over and that way I can have kind of whatever I'm craving those are some great ideas and I would say yeah I would say that definitely flexible dieting can help and I think the other part of it is that work something sweet in every day. Like even on my prep, I'm working chocolate in every day because I know it keeps me on track. If I don't have chocolate, I'm more apt to just be thinking like, oh, I just want chocolate. I just want chocolate. Versus I have my piece of chocolate and then I'm like, okay, had my chocolate for the day. Keep on going on. So I would say work in the things more often, like work in something sweet every day versus being like, oh, I'm on a diet now, so I can't have anything sweet, which case like you just end up in a disaster. So yeah, work something in. If you can make it something that is like a healthier variation, just choose something that's going to have some protein with the with the sweetness. That can be helpful too. Now, are you planning to compete again? Oh, that's, that's the question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
no pressure. If you if you're still like in a place of being undecided, totally fine. I took five years off and was like, if I get the bug and like I want I want the itch again, then I'll do it. So like you don't need to decide today. It was just a question that came up. Yeah, and I think there are some days where I could be asked that question and I have been asked that question and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm gonna compete. And then there are other days where I'm like, hell no. But I think I never want to say never, and if I do compete, I, I know for sure that I, I need to put a couple more years in to be to be really competitive with the other pros in, in my um, category, but I, I do, whenever I'm at the gym, I am still, you know, training for that number one spot, regardless of if <laughs> I plan on competing. I think I would. Maybe in a few years, I'm I'm still wanting to build some areas of my body that I definitely know are, are lacking. So yeah, maybe, maybe I would. And if I would, it, it would, you know, be in like four or five years, I think. Cool. Good call, girl. Good call. And <laughs> I got to say natural bodybuilding, guys, you peak 30, <laughs> maybe <laughs> even 35, because you just have some badass muscle that's so mature, right? Like for even for me, I'm like, whoa, where'd this muscle come from? But it's, it's really, it was building like year after year. I started like my fitness journey when I was 21. So I'm almost 30 and I'm just thinking to myself like, okay, yeah, it's been almost a decade. This does make sense. But sometimes we just forget at the time we're like, why is it not growing? But it's just a, a circumstance of it. Once you get close to 30, you have more of a chance of just having that muscle that stays longer versus coming through when you're really lean and then maybe not being as mature and developed as uh, as what it will be in a couple of years so good stuff Lisa now where can people find you online I'm really just on Instagram so Lisa Marie underscore WBFF pro um, and then Facebook Lisa Marie send me a message and I will definitely get back to you <laughs> Cool. And what pe- what can people see if they watch your Instagram stories? They can see me kind of doing life, you know, from going to the gym to doing like I did a rum tasting last weekend. So you kind of get, you know, all sides of, of my world. I do try and post some times I work out and post some workouts. But um, yeah, I mean, right now it's when you're on my Instagram, you're on whatever part of my journey I'm on, whether it's dieting, building, living life. But yeah, I, I try and be really motivating. And um, I mean, if, if you message me, I try and answer every single question that I get, whether it takes me a week to do that or not. Um, I do try and answer everyone's questions. So yeah, if you're ever wondering just or want to say hi, just send me a message. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. You're awesome, girl. And I love that you're inspiring and motivating so many people. It's freaking so cool. So last question. I know you've listened to at least one episode of the podcast. So Lisa Marie, how would you like to be remembered? You know, I think it's really cool that I I have inspired a lot of people. But I think what, yeah, how I want to be remembered is that I did either inspire you in some way or I taught you something like I am a teacher at heart I wanted to be a teacher since I was in like kindergarten and kind of the medium that I'm teaching has changed throughout my life but I would like whoever shows up to my funeral to just be like okay well she taught me something about my life whether it was about fitness or about mindset or just about you know, loving yourself or being who you are. And so I I just want to be remembered as someone who either inspired you or taught you something about yourself or, or your life, because I feel like that's kind of how, you know, I've been inspired by other people. And it's kind of cool to inspire others and teach them about things. So I think that's how I want to be remembered. Hmm, I love it, girl. Totally, totally love it. 
So that's it for another episode, guys. Lisa, I just want you to know that I love how you show up. This is only the beginning of like the most epic life. I just know that you're somebody who is going to make some moves, change some lives and do some big things. So thanks again for your time. I really appreciate you. And I love that we get to work together. And I love that you're in my life. And I really hope you can come to my wedding. Oh, I will be there. I'm trying my best. (laughs) Oh, that'd be sick. That'd be so awesome. Anywho, guys, thanks again. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, I just love that girl. Man, oh man, that was a good episode. I hope you guys loved it just as much as what I did. Be sure to head on over to Lisa Marie's Instagram to give her a follow. She is incredible. She posts lots of inspirational stuff, and I think you guys will really like getting to know her if you haven't met her yet. So that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for showing up, and I hope you have an awesome week.